Now Blah Blah Comics. This is awesome. I'm Derek. I'm Goldie. And even though I fuck up sometimes, we talk comics sometimes. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, and we've got, we got a lot of random stuff to talk about. For those who don't regularly listen or are newer to us, we talked on Respawn last or two weeks ago about our new kind of schedule where we're kind of doing bi-weekly for a little bit because between wrestling, work, uh, conventions, comics, everything in between, we've been crazy busy, but also we have not talked about a lot of stuff, even not just, not just on air, but haven't talked about it, period. It's true, yeah. Um, and I actually, for the first time ever, normally I just sit here and wing it or go by your notes. I actually sat down and made a list of all the things I want to talk about uh, in the upcoming time. So um, do you want to start with like more general comics news or do you want to kind of talk about uh, some of the comics we've been reading? Ooh, you know what? I'm gonna, again. I'm gonna let you lead. I'm, we're kind of reverse normal here, so I'm just gonna let you go for it. We'll start wherever you want to because I have no notes, no nothing. I'm gonna go with what pops in my head as we talk about it. Okay. Um, well, then uh, let's go ahead and start on, I guess, a serious note. So, um, comicsology is imploding. Yeah, I don't. That that whole situation is very odd right now. Uh, um, for those of you who don't really keep up with digital comics, so Comicsology is the premier uh, comics digital reading website uh, slash app. Yeah. And for a long time, for I mean probably close to ten years now, at least five years, yeah, five or six years at a minimum, uh, it's been owned by Amazon. And Amazon has basically for a long time now had a pretty hands-off thing to it. It recommended that you log into Comicsology through your Amazon account, um, but that was pretty much it um a few months ago they announced that they were going to incorporate comiXology into the amazon slash kindle reading experience and they finally pulled the trigger on it uh last week and so colby have you had any uh experience with the new website at all so here's i'm gonna put out there how i normally read comics digitally as someone who was fully digital for a while and then i went back to physical kind of and now i'm back in between my entire experience is essentially going on amazon buying the comic and it pops up in my comiXology every now and then going to the comiXology website and buying it so i have not been to the actual comiXology website since this happened Okay. Well, I read my comicsology stuff on my iPad, so I use yeah. the app. I'm I'm happy, um, happy in quotes, I guess, to report that the app reading experience has not changed all that much. I have it, noticed it, that the color scheme's a it, bit different. That's about it. It reads it reads more like a Kindle app. It does download a little bit faster, which uh, is actually pretty nice. They say, they say that they're going to get the um, the list feature back that is currently gone that's current and supposedly that's a glitch that they are working on why they didn't have it fixed or you know ready to go and all this time is a mystery but supposedly we'll be getting our list feature back the actual sit down reading experience on the app itself is not atrocious the website on the other hand is beyond fucked they shut down a perfectly good perfectly functioning website no one can really explain why, but now if you try to go to comicsology.com, you just get redirected to Amazon without any like links or notifications. There's no 
list to buy recent releases. Um, there's no subscription service. They got rid of the subscription service. So if you want to buy a comic, you have to know that it is out. They don't have any kind of announcement page saying that the comic is out. Um, reading in the um, on a on a website or reading in, in a browser as opposed to in an app is apparently atrocious. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't move out of a double page spread. You can't make a double page spread wider and the presentation is basically like a um a letterbox television presentation for a widescreen comic oh, wow. without allowing you yeah without allowing you to zoom oh, in wow. and actually look at the art that is bad who is reading on a desktop a lot of people way more what people than, than i would have thought apparently but yeah uh a Apparently, the, a, a sizable number of Comixology users would read on a desktop, especially people who, again, the service is most used for, people without the uh, the luck of having an LCS uh, in their area. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing, the, the major what the actual fuck were they even thinking, do they hate money, you cannot access um, Comixology, you know, the, the new Comixology stuff outside of the U.S., it's not available outside of the U.S. Oh. So if you if you have the app, you can still apparently, I guess, I believe, still read comics on the app, but you cannot purchase them unless you have like an Android thing because they didn't. From what I understand, they did not change the um, the policy of not giving Apple money. So if like again for my iPad, I'm pretty sure I can't buy anything through the app. But oh, yeah. if you're uh, if you're a digital comics reader outside the U.S then you are uh, up a creek when it comes to having access to new material. Oh, that is odd. I wonder, I wonder why that would have changed. Yeah, and it's like, again, what is the thinking behind this? Is there thinking behind this? Why rush this release when clearly it's, not, one, not ready to go, and two, you're cutting out customers. You're literally making it more difficult, if not impossible, for people to use your your service and give you money for it. People who have been using the service and giving you money for it for your oh, also as a creator with comics on Comicsology Submit, I'm happy to report that Space is Awful is still available through Comicsology. My my at least the copies that I own and download are still downloadable. Yeah. I still need to check the website. I'm fairly certain you can actually still access them. Uh, however, having since they did get rid of the Comicsology Submit feature, Derek and I will not be able to put any new material yeah. on Comicsology or in, in that area. They have a way to do it, but it is much more complicated. It's not nearly as intuitive as Submit was, and honestly, it's not going to be worth their time. So space is still awful, um, which is... In, still in the process of being uh, the first issue, still in the process of being uh, completed. But our new or any new material from us will not be available digitally through Comicsology or the Amazon Comicsology website. Yeah, I don't understand. Like you mentioned, it just was such a random moment to trial this out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. Either. I don't know if they're trying to get a control of it. Maybe with the success of a few other things, they see possibility in it, and they're trying to hone in on it and take it in a different direction. I have no clue. It is a random, random thing all around, though. And I just, I wish that we could get some kind of, you know, answer or response from somebody as to why this is suddenly such a necessity. 
Yeah, I don't know. All I can... Yeah, I don't know. It's Because you're right, they've owned them for so long that it is weird that this seems like something that would happen when they first bought them, like I said, forever ago now. Not something just here in the middle of nothing with... Because it's also odd, because they had like mentioned it a couple times and talked to it, but it was weird how it seemed like almost overnight all of it changed. Right. And uh, again, it's like they announced it, and then they pushed it back um, with what a lot of us thought was like, okay, well then, clearly they listened to us, or they listened to somebody, because even when they announced it, they were like, here's all the things that are changing, and so many people were like... Why? Why is that changing? Yeah. Why are we losing our smart lists? Why are you, why are you you know actively planning to get rid of your outside of the U.S. And I think actually I say that uh, I think the U.K. actually does have access, but again, that's two countries in the world. Why why are you actively planning on on losing service? The only to thing these countries. I'd have to. Uh, yeah. I, I again. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about it. Is it? Is the Comixology website just not accessible from other countries now? Uh, no, it's completely gone. They 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 took it down. I wonder. It, it, the only thing I could see if they're beta testing it still, and they're just slow to see how much demand there is and see what the demand on servers is going to be. They're just going to slowly implement a new country a month, pretty much for a while. Okay, that's makes sense but also i wish if that were something like that were the case that they you know let potential customers know i guess yeah i i, I have no clue it's it is a very weird i, I keep the word random because it just kind of came from nowhere and does feel very odd and yeah i don't know that is because i can definitely see if that's for how people i am sure as shocked as I am by the amount of people that have, are, that, I'll be honest, I'm shocked anyone read on desktop. I did that one time for one book, and I fucking hated it. Well, uh, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here. When I was a young man, and by young man I mean in my 20s, so honestly not much younger than you are now, um, I discovered uh, pirating comics. Oh, yeah. and, I, and I was still, you know, in my somewhat defense i would still go to my lcs every week i still buy the comics i wanted to spend money on so i, I was not actively trying to deprive my uh, lcs of money but i also round about friday or saturday every month i would um get on you know whatever um piracy site i was using i can't even remember at this point uh and i would just look for comics and whatever the release date was and somebody had scanned or you know pirated every single comic that got released that week and i would uh, download it all i'd go through it i had a cbz reader on my laptop and i read all of my comics on my laptop all my digital comics that way because there weren't digital readers at the time or at least not ones that were within you know my Price range. I was gonna say, uh, in your defense, at that time frame, that I will say it made sense because, except e-readers weren't as easily gotten. Even phones were in a very different place at that point. That's that doesn't. I don't think that's bad. It is weird to people. I feel like today in 2022, if you're actively choosing to read it on one, it may again, it may be uh, just an accessibility thing. 
you know, if you live in a part of the country or a part of the world where accessibility to a digital reader is not nearly as um, rampant as it would be a computer or even, you know, library time. If you yeah. can uh, yeah. set up your Comixology account on a library, uh, buy a couple of dollar books and read it on the la- on the there. Just to just spit on the air, but that's that's mind shocking to me i don't know but who knows maybe because it's one it's one of those things where it's kind of like i think i think now seeing a lot especially with my brother in the video game industry i can see where all these choices are made because even if there are people using on desktop if it is below a certain percentile i can 100 percent see it being made the choice like well it's only you know, whatever, if only 15% of people are using this, if we lose every one of those customers, it's not going to affect our bottom line that much. That's what happened a lot here recently in the game world with a lot of couch co-op games where everyone everyone and their mom throws a fit when, like, a Halo or game that's known for, like, couch co-op people playing together when they cut that feature. But at the same time, if the numbers are numbers, and it's like, oh, they, they don't affect sales that much, and only, like, you know, 5 to 10% of people ever even use that feature. So I don't know if it's something like that, and it, and knowing it's Amazon, that would be my guess is that they just looked at the bare numbers of what are people using, what are they not using, how can we streamline this? The timing again is weird. The timing makes yeah. no sense because there's no like it doesn't feel like a launch. That's a weird thing. I mean, it doesn't feel like a launch or a rebranding or anything. They just here's here it is. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, and, you, you know, you're probably right about the numbers on that. I just, like I said, a surprising amount of people on my Twitter have pointed out um, the impossibility of reading on the, uh, the on, in a browser on a, on well, a see, computer. See, I, again, just literally the only time I've ever read it was one time for some reason when I, I remember I, I uh, pre-ordered Metal. I think it was, I think it was Metal. Uh, it may have been death. It may have been death metal number one, and but didn't send to my eye. It didn't send to my phone at first, my e-reader. So I literally had to just open my computer uh, to read it. I was on my laptop, and see, I remember even back then. I remember being super fucking annoying to like, like you mentioned, double spread, page spreads and bigger stuff to even get it, to even like still read it on that. Yeah, it was just a bad experience then. So I don't. That's the that's the one again. I don't know. My mind's blown by that. That one really is, but. Either way, the the list stuff is weird. Cutting it, restricting it down to just a few countries is weird. Uh, I don't. I so I I hate saying this because I don't agree with it. I see the idea from a business perspective of shuttering the actual Comicsology store from just shoving it on Amazon. I don't like it. I see where that that is a hundred percent of business. I was, I can think it's a hundred percent of business indecision. I timing wise, oh, random 100%. as fuck. It it has it it really does have to be you know we are tired of having another entity represent us. Yeah, we want we want you to know that you are you're using an Amazon product. Yeah, no, that's a it sucks, but that angle at least is a logical if shitty yeah. angle. But literally everything else about it just yeah. the timing screams why the loss of services screams why. It makes no sense. It's fucking weird. It, while we're talking about things that make no sense in comics right now. Yeah, please. So I'm going to continue this rant in a similar way, but from a different perspective. <laughs> so, 
again, you guys, anyone who listens regularly knows we both live in different parts of Texas, but live in Texas. 100%. Uh, there are, and again, this is, affects a lot more people. We can only really specifically talk about the Texas experience. Uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on with shipping. And in fairness, no one does. No one exactly. does when it comes to comics. But, like, but it's this constant thing that's always been weird. However, man, it's like, so uh, we got uh, last week's comics. Everyone in like a 200 mile radius of me got DC and Marvel. Nothing else. They never, this week, they got DC, Marvel, Independence, everything. No one in my area yet, at least, has gotten the previous week's image or any of those books. Wow. And no one seems to know what's going on. And most from from talking to the local comic shops here, uh, especially on the, uh, well, I say especially, on the Diamond Inn, no, they're not even being told for the most part that a delay when it's coming. Everything most of them are finding out this information by not getting books and then seeing like on Twitter, right? Which is um, baffling to me. So, at least I will tell you up here up north where where I'm at comparatively up north. Uh, last week we didn't get um, books until about Friday, I think, uh, and then. Uh, no, two weeks ago, and then last week, uh, it was about um, the back half of Wednesday before the whole shipment hit. So we are still getting them at least the week of, mm. and the, the latest we've gotten them is, I think, the Monday after the Wednesday yeah, they were this, supposed to ship. This is the first time, well, uh, the first time since that time that like all of like the Midwest and a lot of South got no books for, or nothing but DC for whatever day that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that and was the part one. Of it, uh, apparently, as much as Ping- Penguin Random House have said that they are working on their uh, shipping errors, that's apparently not been the case. And I've, I've read in a couple of different places that, and not, you know, my comic shop uh, up here has done it too, but apparently a big uh, thing is that people are because you can still get your Marvel books through Diamond yeah. uh, a lot a lot of retailers are actually switching back to Diamond because Diamond believe it or not is actually more uh, they're giving you more quality books the books are getting there in better shape and closer to on time Man. than you would be getting them through Random House Here's or Penguin the- yeah, the only other thing about Penguin, well, uh, for Penguin and Diamond, I don't know. I I don't know if it's either. It's definitely not either a fault. I mean, it's not helping situation. I'm wondering if it's making it worse for Penguin. The weird Marvel, the types of paper and types of things they are putting out at Marvel right now, which I know we're in a paper shortage. I know things are bad, but at the same time, it's just weird to me where only one company is quite so bad. And I don't understand. I don't know. I like every Marvel book I pick up almost just feels like one step above newspaper here lately. Yeah, um, you and I have talked about this a little bit off the podcast. I cannot physically read my Marvel comics. I have to use the digital codes to put mm-hmm. them into my unfortunately Comicsology account yeah. because any almost any time. I can think of one instance in the last six months this didn't happen. It was Devil's Reign, and Devil's Reign is using cardstock covers. 
but I leave fingerprints on my books, on my on, yeah. my, on my Marvel books, if I hold them for any amount of time, because the the paper is so thin and the ink is so cheap that it bleeds just immediately upon. See, that's, I think that's uh, a key touch there. with, with uh, human human skin contact. You mentioned the, the ink. I don't know why they use such cheap ink because that is one thing. Like paper shortage, you have a good excuse for. The fucking mm. ink, I don't. You don't. Like that's weird. That is just I, again another another just really odd thing that I don't understand. And there's so much of it because it's so weird how. And I know that people have a lot of problems with DC shippers and everything else. But at the same time, it is weird in this day and age how I think there has been one time I can remember since DC switched over for me personally that there was any effect on a shipment. Recollection, and admittedly, I'm saying this as someone who does not buy a lot of DC books, like at all. Um, but I cannot recall my uh, my LCS having any DC issues as yeah. far as the shipment goes. It's always stuff coming from Penguin and still from Diamond. When I still don't understand why it's become so normal for so many stores to have like to get DC. And then uh, get maybe have Marvel or just have DC and Marvel and not have any image or anything else, even if they you know buy Marvel through Diamond still. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah, I'm no, like, that's, that's exceptionally weird because at least with my stuff, it's always like it's DC and it's everybody else. Yeah, I have not had DC Marvel and everyone else up here. So yeah, that is extraordinarily strange, it's, man. It's very rare, but it has happened here like two or three times now where. Because it used to be I have – there's one shop I, uh, I know for sure still uses Diamond as their main Marvel one, and there's one shop who uses uh, the other one. And so I used to kind of bounce back and forth depending on the week because they have different shippers and they're, some are different. But here lately they've been consistently on both sides on what they get and not get. And it's like bizarre like how is this even possible? And the funny thing is Diamond – at least I can vouch for this. No matter, even if it's all of Texas, it gives the lamest excuses to shop owners. Yeah. Like, legitimately, I watched the shop owner uh, get told, like, four times that it was a FedEx truck that uh, was a problem. Even though there were shops in town that had, or not, sorry, not that was, this was, even though it was, like, all of Texas getting hit by not having Diamond. And it was like, you think, is all of Texas having FedEx problems right now? Because you're saying this is just an, you know, a San Antonio problem, but Austin also is not having them, except for the people who have the other, uh, the other shipment. So what's going on here? I can't figure out. It's become a, every, I feel like every week since the end of December has just been a guessing game on what books are actually going to oh, show up. it goes back further than that, because I remember, like, um... So Brandon, the guy that's uh, – he's not the owner, but he's the kind of the de facto uh, new comic book day guy yeah. at um, Star Comics uh, here in Lubbock, Texas. I, I don't feel too shy saying that. Yeah. Um, he has just gotten to the point where he's like actively losing his mind over oh, shipments. Yeah. He's, he's, he's given up because it's it, – you're right, and it's something I haven't really – it's become so normal to not know when I'm going to get my comics that uh, it honestly, I kind of had stopped thinking about it until you mentioned it just now because it's, it's for 
literal months now, there's really been no telling. Yeah. And when books are actually going to be on the shelf with the, like I said, the uh, exception of DC and I'm just uh, not really buying DC right now. So yeah, I just, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get my, uh, my new comics in email on Tuesday night or I don't, if I don't, I know I'm not getting anything. Usually I'll get a, a, an email with a partial list and then wait for the rest of the partial list to hit sometime between that Wednesday and, like I said, sometimes as late as uh, the Monday after. Yeah. So, And as someone who kind of on the verse and is, I would say, mostly buying, well, out of the big two, definitely mostly buying DC, but buy, mostly buying DC with some Image and other Indies. And uh, I think, what do I have? I know I have, a, I have one or two Marvel books. I have the... Dare to create a daredevil woman without fear book. I know I have that. Oh, and Hulk. I still read Hulk, so that I have those two. Uh, and, oh yeah, you've dropped Venom. That's right. Yeah, that one. We've talked before. Uh, Rom V is someone who I want to like their work so bad because everything they put out is up my alley and aimed at me. But something about their writing just does not connect with me. So can I? Um... I want to just interject just really super shortly. We do not have to make a big conversation oh, out of this. Um, but on that note, I uh, I went ahead because uh, my artist Derek actually really loved it. I picked up the Secret X-Men one-shot, uh, which was written by Teeny Howard, which was initially why I was going to avoid it like a plague. Yeah. Because as, as, as much and as hard as I tried to defend Excalibur um, – during this this long and and, tor- and arduous not torturous arduous uh, X Men journey, it's a it really crapped the bed. X Corp was terrible, um, and I've, I've I've definitely fallen out of love with Teeny Howard. I gotta say, Secret X Men was really fun. That's cool, especially considering it's very clearly a book that they were handed. Um, with a list of characters to find something to do with, and you know she doesn't do necessarily great things with every single character she's handed, but they all do get, you know, at least a cool line or a cool moment. Um, it's a fun story. It sets up some intriguing mysteries for the future. Um, so it's not completely disposable, but also I feel like it's not something that if you, if you skip it, you're going to like miss a key part of the Hickman Krakoa era. Um, but yeah, for a, for a book that I had absolutely no interest in, I had a tremendous amount of fun with it. So that would be, uh, kind of along the same lines, you know, I too, the little bit I've read from Ram V has been like, I get the appeal, but it's not necessarily hitting for me. Um, but I finally read a teeny Howard book for the first time in a long time where I was like, I came away from that reading experience satisfied. That makes me happy. Cause again, teeny Howard, yeah, same boat of someone that is a person that fucking, they're amazing. They're great. And they have some great ideas that just never clicked. I may have to check that out. Cause yeah, I'm man. Excellent's a weird place because I realized I don't, there was one issue of Inferno. I know I didn't read, but I can't remember if that was three or four that I didn't read. I was surprised at how well Inferno ended. So it was probably issue four because issue four was really solid. Um, I will say uh, after I think we're at three issues of each, um, X Lives and X Deaths of Wolverine is not good. I'm just going to say straight up. That was a quick about face. good. Yeah. Uh, And I – 
really like Benjamin Percy. He's another one who's like, I have defended his Wolverine run. I've defended his X-Men run. And unlike T.D. Howard, I don't feel like I wasted time defending those runs uh, up to this point. I think there's, he's got a really solid handle on Wolverine and yeah, six issues into this uh, 10 issue story, you know, quote unquote, I'm not enjoying it. It's, it's confusing. It's not good. Um, it's it's not enjoyable. It, I'm, there's no fun. It's and it's it's kind of it kind of handicapped itself right at the beginning because it very much set itself up as you know the Krakoan era was started with Hawkspox and then X Lives and X Does the Wolverine is like the next step into the next era of Hawkspox. So it, it kind of oh. was, was, through through Benjamin Percy's desire or not was set up as you know a spiritual sequel to Hawkspox in a way that Inferno was an actual sequel to Hawkspox and. It is so completely lacking compared to uh, Hawkspox and what had been set up and uh, the story that was being told and story, the mystery that was unfolding there. Um, so do you know anything about what's going on in Next Lives, Next Deaths? Not at all. Okay. So X Lives of Wolverine is Wolverine basically it's basically Days of Future Past. Gene and the Professor are telepathically sending Wolverine back th- in through time to inhabit his old bodies because Omega Red, with the help of Mikhail Rasputin's reality warping powers, is basically going through um, Xavier's life trying to kill Professor Xavier in the past okay. uh, and, and inhabiting bodies and the, the bodies of the people he's inhabiting uh, get tentacles and they have a little Omega symbol on their forehead so you can very clearly figure out who they are. He's gone as far back as trying to kill Xavier's grandfather I think so teenage Wolverine was able to save him um, and then at the, the big cliffhanger for issue 3 is that uh they finally figured out they could just possess Wolverine. So it's Wolverine coming after the professor. We'll see how that goes. Okay. Death of Wolverine is set up in the present day and it's basically following along the events of Inferno, which do you, do you want the spoiler for the big, oh, yeah, uh, go Inferno for ending? <laughs> okay. So what ended up making Inferno really cool because it's such a Hickman thing. It feels like, um, they brought back forges, depowering gun from way back in the like 200s issues uh early 200 late 90s early late 190s early 200s issues of x-men the gun that forge accidentally used to depower storm that he developed to depower rogue they brought that back and shot moira with it so moira's just a human now which means if she dies the timeline doesn't reset um and then um they basically set her loose to like run and mystique is kind of hunting her terminator style um on top of that a wolverine we can only assume from the future who has been possessed by the phalanx is hunting both of them as well for some reason we have not yet been revealed to, uh to be so there's basically two different Wolverine stories that one assumes will converge at some point in the next four issues. And standing here just describing it to you, just talking about the plot points, makes it sound more interesting and coherent than it actually is. (laughs) Because it's not, you know, every issue I've read has been like, I don't know, there's just, there's no interest or driving force there. And there's been some absolutely baffling 
uh, storytelling decisions that makes me kind of wonder if there was like a, a miscommunication or no communication in the X office. Um, the big one, the one that the first one that comes to my head is at the end of Inferno. Um, so during the, you probably remember this during Inferno, uh, Moira cuts off her own arm. Uh, because it has a tracking chip in it. She figured out it has a tracking chip in it, uh, and she uses the bait to, to uh, lead Xavier and Magneto on a false trail and also to set up a, a distraction for Destiny, etc., etc. So at the end of Inferno, uh, Doug and Warlock give her basically a phalanx arm. It's like, and his reasoning is, I don't know what you're going to do next, but I figure it'd be easier if you had two hands. You know, it's a very, it's a yeah. very Hickman line. So in X does the Wolverine number two, uh, Moira cuts it off and burns the stump with a iron in a scene that looks pretty badass. And like on the surface is like, okay, well, she's very clearly in survivalist mode, but also why? It's like, she figured, she figures there's a tracking device in there, but that, that was never stated in the previous issue. Um, I, I think it's actually implied that Doug has no plans to track her that way. Like he didn't, he wasn't doing it to to hurt her or injure her. And in fact, it was like literally just a, an act of largesse. And uh, yeah, it just feels like what is the point of this other than to, again, show Moira's badass credentials in the moment at the sacrifice of another story? That's unfortunate. Yeah, I don't. It's just a mess, dude. <laughs> I, so when I saw the because you had told me, I know the first, I think it was literally the first issue you, you were decently positive on, and you were telling me about it, and I was like looking into getting it until I realized it was basically like I said almost a weekly double series coming out. It is. It's the same thing as Hawksbox. Every week you get an issue of Life or an issue of Death, and it it goes back and forth. Um. And yeah, uh, okay, so I will say, up until this last issue, where it was just like, oh, just to have Omega Red possess Wolverine, I was actually kind of enjoying the the time travel hijinks of Wolverine in various eras being like, okay, where the fuck is the professor now? I have to get to him. Oh, so I've got to run through, you know, 18 miles of wilderness in a loincloth because that just happens to be the state I was in at this point in my life to so go hunt down Xavier. Or actually, the, the best one is... Um, at one, he at one point has to inhabit his Team X self and is like, yeah, I remember this mission. After we completed it, we had to slaughter these villagers to make sure that they knew to fear the U.S. more than to fear the gorillas that we also killed. I'm not going to do that. Fuck that. Shoots Maverick, shoots Sabretooth, and runs off instead of completing the mission, thereby altering the timeline. So that's uh, going to be an interesting way. To, and it's, it's like <laughs> stuff like that's like, okay, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of enjoying X Lives, but yeah, it's just the the weight of the whole thing is really starting to drag it down. And it's uh, if I weren't enjoying Duggan's X Men so much, and I know I'm kind of in the minority on that, even among X fans, I would be very uh, very not thrilled about the future of X Men. But we have a Karen Gillan X Men com- book coming out. Sure. We have another Al Ewing X Men book coming out. And we have a X Men Eternals Avengers crossover written by Kieran Gillen coming out that I'm stoked. I mean, uh, Empire was way better than I thought it'd be, and that's Al Ewing. I think that uh, Kieran Gillen at the helm of a uh, a big summer crossover has a ton of potential. I know. Again, I'm uh, at least the people on this podcast. I am super in the minority of that. I'm- 
I still want to know what the situation with Al Ewing and Venom is slash was. Ewing is still promoting Venom on his Twitter, which he barely uses anymore. So that's actually a really good question. I wish I had an answer for you. I'm so confused. Venom ended up sucking. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, that was that went a weird and not. Uh, we will, I must you know I'm gonna say positive. I don't say nice stuff about Marvel. Uh, I will say Marvel putting out uh, Electra. Was it Black, White, and Blood? Fucking love the first issue. Excited for the second issue. Uh, oh, uh, did you not hear about the controversy? I did Black hear about second uh, the controversy, okay. which is, uh, is bizarre. It is mm-hmm. bizarre in how some of those don't know. Uh, I can't remember the artist's name. I apologize. Uh, I can probably find it here in a second. But you continue. Uh, but either way, uh, one of the artists came forward on Twitter and posted some comparison pictures that. After he had already turned the finished work, had been approved, and had been co- you know everything finished with it, sent off, Marvel had gone in and done some very specific but minor changes to the art. And like in his fit, in his version, it was, if I remember, it's a little girl, I believe. And yeah, there's some some pupils added yeah. and some nudity sloppily covered. The, the thing is, Greg Smallwood, and the thing is, they contacted him and said, "Hey, we need some art changes." Do you mind if we handle them in-house? And his response was, no, I don't want anybody touching my art. Whatever changes you want, I'm happy to do. And apparently there was a communication error. Some emails didn't get sent. And uh, even though he made the corrections, they did not run his corrected art. They ran the in-house corrected art. Yeah, it's very very bizarre and very weird. It's another... Marvel being Marvel, which is sad, whereas it's like a, a book that I am one of the few Marvel books I'm really liking. I've heard really tremendous things about um, the first issue. Oh, it, it, the first issue is great. Uh, then you also have a Daredevil Woman Without Fear. Also, I'm fucking loving it. Mm-hmm. It's probably my which, favorite Chip Zdarsky written thing. I did not pick it up for purely budgetary reasons because I'm really loving Devil's Reign. Yeah. And I probably should have bought it because, again, I'm hearing good things. It's Chip Zdarsky, it's, and it's, he's also writing the Devil's Reign crossover right now, which actually I even have a note about that. I just wanted to say Devil's Reign still good somehow. Yeah, I don't it's... really understand how, but it's great. I'm having a tremendous time. The best way I've, I've heard Devil's Reign described was a friend of mine – I was talking to a few weeks ago, I was reading it, and he said, he compared, and I think this might be, again, I'm not reading it, so I, I won't say if it's fair or not, but he basically compared it to, uh, kind of like, modern day Quentin Tarantino, of like, yeah, you kind of, it's stuff that's all that he has done before, and has been done before, but it's still good. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually Zdarsky's entire Daredevil run, essentially. Like, the, the, the big anchor for Zdarsky's Daredevil run was Daredevil going to prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is absolutely a plot point that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years. There's a huge plot point that we've yeah. seen in the last 10, 15 years. But he does it differently enough and takes a different enough tack at it that it's, it's interesting and fun and solid and well done. Same thing with Devil's Reign. Devil's Reign, a lot of it is uh, base elements of Civil War. Yeah. Super, superheroes are outlawed. Uh, Supervillains are basically Thunderbolts. That's a lot of the skeleton of Civil War. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, your friend said, he's he's doing it differently enough that he's making it interesting. Yes, it's all stuff we've seen before, but it's damn entertaining. 
the thing I find very odd about this whole situation is, especially when Chip Zdarsky's writing Woman Without Fear. Mm-hmm. And again, we're only a couple, you know, it's a short series and we're only a couple issues in. It is, she's into a three-issue series. Yeah. yeah. It is uh, super, I, I'm shocked at how much it ties to Man Without Fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is arguably like a, I guess companion piece would be the best way because a lot of the events of that from Electra's perspective, except for in the modern day, she's being hunted by someone else. And it's a, you know, you get a lot of her backstory, but from that we haven't seen before from her point of view and a lot of her meeting with Matt in college, but again, her point of view. So, Dude, I had no idea. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I'm like, again, it is everything I could have hoped for for, uh, for a book like this. The only thing that is weird is I know the next issue has more to do with Devil's Reign. And, I, and it is just odd to be like, why is this when you wrote this book? Right. This seems like a, an odd thing that could have been like an OGN or could have even been like right after Devil's Reign, right before it, or just its own thing. Like, it has literally the bare minimum connection to Devil's Reign. Devil's Reign is basically just what gets her from point A to point B in that book. Right. Uh, but it's an amazing well, I, book. I, I kind of wonder if it was just like, this is the only time I'm going to be allowed to have a second Daredevil title. Possibly. Is because as good as Daredevil's selling, I'm pretty sure it's not selling, give this book a second book numbers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably. Sadly, probably not. Not. But, uh, yeah. And I think, again, I think that's about all my my Marvel knowledge of current. I, uh, I, I, so I was really enjoying Moon Knight. I ended up dropping Moon Knight just because. I like it a lot, however, it has that problem that Benjamin Percy was a good example. I had it back in Wolverine where every issue is good, but it doesn't seem like it's necessarily going anywhere. Gotcha. That's unfortunate because I've been reading it on Marvel Unlimited, yeah. and I fucking adore what I've read. Oh, I really, I really, really love it. And again, Jed McKay has uh, made me a huge fan of someone I, you know, I've now tried a couple more of uh, their work just to see kind of what's going on with it because I really liked him as a writer mm-hmm. I think that's he wrote it. he wrote the um, Mary Jane Black Cat one shot for the uh, Spider-Man Beyond Corporation um, weekly that's also going on right now which is waning but it's also only got like five issues left so you know I can't really complain too loudly yeah. his uh I need to go back and give his Black Cat series another try because I I think I read the first couple issues when they hit Marvel Unlimited. I was probably a little biased against it because I'm not just a huge Black Cat fan anyway. And the uh, I hate to say it, but I think the J. Scott Campbell cheesecake covers um, didn't do the book any favors as far as being you know actually a serious, well written book that I'd heard that it actually is. Yeah. But yeah, now that now that I've read his Moon Knight and his uh, his Black Cat one shot he did for the. Uh, Spider-Man story I'm reading right now. I I really want to give him another shot because yeah, like you say, he's a he's definitely a cool and interesting up and coming writer. Um, did you have anything else to say about Jed McKay? Because I can use that as a really brilliant segue. No, yeah, feel free. I'm tired of Joshua Williamson. <laughs> as a as a as a as a segue, going from one writer that I think is really great in his up and coming. Um, I've been reading uh, Infinite Frontier on DC infinite um i'm not i haven't been reading the follow-up to that name i'm is it justice league incarnate is that the oh yeah the book that's leading into dark crisis or what's the book that's leading into dark crisis Uh, i think 
Uh, I don't really know. Okay. Well, you know, issue four came out recently, and it had the Great Darkness, which feels oh. like an, an even lazier Jeff Johns uh, take on pulling an idea from the past and making it a literal manifestation of something. Uh, and yeah, just like where every it feels to me and feel free to, to crap all over me for this, take me down a peg, whatever. Um, it feels to me that Jeff Johns is telling more what, uh, Joshua Williamson is to Graham Morrison. He's, he's taking the ideas and, trying to play with them and expand on them in the way that they were intended to be played with and expanded on and failing. I I mean, so I, again, I haven't been reading his Batman or justice league stuff. So I can't talk too much. I can say I would still, for me personally, Robin, Robin is my favorite book on the stands currently. Is he writing Robin? Yeah. Okay. Well, he's also writing Batman. And, and um, Deathstroke, Inc., which is fucking phenomenal, too. Okay. I really liked his first issue of Batman. We yeah. are now three issues in, and I will pick up the fourth issue to complete the story, but I'm already – again, I'm already just kind of exhausted by the – what a twist, plot twist of his most of his first Batman story. So I don't know. I just – Yeah, the first – I'll be honest. His first Batman didn't do a ton for me. Again, Robin – I fucking adore Deathstroke Inc. I adore like crazy. I don't know why they are handing him everything right now. That is, yeah, it feels it feels very kind of what they did with Scott, with Scott Snyder. And yeah. I, I had my issues with Snyder well, as well. Even then, if you like look back, Snyder was never writing more than a book at a time. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Snyder only ever had one title. Williamson legitimately has like. Four that he's the main writer on, and like five or six that he's connected to in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, you have Deathstroke, you have Robin, you have Batman, you have either Justice League Incarnate. Uh, and Justice League coming and out. Yeah, you have Justice which leads League. Into the Dark Crisis up, crossover. And the Dark Crisis stuff. You have. Uh, oh, fuck. There was, so, there was something. Oh, yeah. You, had, you just had Infinite Frontier that was before all that. You had. Mm-hmm. He's done. Yeah, he's done. A, he's doing a ton, which. Whatever. Uh, oh, he also has a, the bat event coming up uh, that I am excited about. But let's get that one: the Deathstroke Inc. Robin Batman uh, crossover. Gotcha. What Shadowland? I think it's what it's called. Oh, that's funny. Something like that. I think that's what it is. Something. Like that. that was a that was a Daredevil story. What's it? What's a few it? years ago with Shadowland. I I would have, let me now. I'm gonna have to look this up to make sure. Yeah, I've not heard of any Batman crossover, but I'm not surprised. I hate to say this because. I'm I'm really happy that so many people are appreciating what's going on in DC right now, and apparently their EIC. Oh, that's actually something we could talk about. Their EIC and uh, whose name absolutely is Casey plus Dan Buckley plus a couple others managed to get a seven thousand print uh, really re-release of the uh, JLA Avengers crossover. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw uh, that. Funded by Hero Initiative with all profits going to Hero Initiative, which is a charity that George Perez uh, not only supports but is uh, was a founding member of and for a long time was on the charity uh, chairman of the board for. By the way, Shadow yeah. War. Shadow War. Shadow called. War. Okay. So I really appreciate what, what she's doing for DC right now, but also 
everything DC post future state has been just almost gobbledygook to me. I, I, I find it almost impossible to follow DC stories right now. And I really, one thing I really do appreciate is that she is hiring a lot of uh, minority creators uh, on books that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. In fact, the, not only is the Aquaman book by Rom V and Christian Ward uh, looking amazing, oh, but uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pick up the first issue of Aquaman that comes oh, out. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't planning to, but um, the creative team seems interesting, and I I like Aquaman, and I always kind of want to give him one more shot, you know? Yeah, so, no, that again. Uh, we talked before Jeff Johns uh, for better or worse, but his New Fifty Two run, I still love every second of that. I fucking it revitalized Aquaman. Yeah, it really did. It was great. Yeah, no, D, I know we've talked before. We are. Reverse on that because yeah, DC right now is it's a it's by far a time I've enjoyed so much DC here lately. It's again they have me reading fucking a Wonder Woman and a Superman book regularly, and I never thought that would be a thing. What super? Oh, super Son of Kal El. Yeah, Son of Kal El. Uh, I'm waiting for the collection amazing. on that. I just picked up. Uh, I got for Valentine's Day the uh, Nightwing Leaping into the Light collection, oh, nice, which nice. is. Wonderful Bruno Redondo's art is so crazy good. Yeah. It is such a beautiful, beautiful comic. Uh, I was really lucky. Um, Derek had heard good things, and he managed to score singles of the entire Leaping into the Light story, and he loaned it to me. And normally it takes me a while to get through books Derek loans me because I have such a high reading pile of my own. But yeah. he, I promised him I'd give it a shot, and I read the first issue, and then I read every subsequent issue because not only, again, is the story good, it does have one kind of cliche thing that uh, I was a little disappointed about, but then he bends the cliche on his head, which made me really happy. But the, especially the Bruno Redondo art is just so bloody sumptuous just so fucking good that um i'm thrilled that i own it as a collection that i can revisit and also loan to friends because it's definitely one of those books where you're just like do you want to read a good superhero comic just a good superhero comic read this yeah and i'm doing i'm gonna do the same thing with son of kal-el uh as soon as it gets collection oh and i actually have uh tom Speaking of Tom Taylor, for both of those books, I have his Batman the Detective. That, that hardcover oh, uh, nice. is in the mail. So yeah, that was I'm, fun. I'll buy basically anything Tom Taylor does for DC, but I'm waiting for the collections. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it's gonna. Did you read any of Dark Ages? Uh, yes, uh, I've read at least two, maybe three issues. However many issues are on Marvel Unlimited, uh, I have read. It's good. It's very enjoyable. It's yeah. uh, definitely not getting the same kind of buzz that his DC work is getting, but uh, it's been pretty enjoyable so far. Yeah, I was gonna say I dropped it, but I, the first three issues they were not bad. They weren't. It, I don't think it has the same. I don't know. It doesn't have the same like little magic that the others do to me personally. But yeah, still, no, that's yeah. totally fair. Um, I'm gonna say something not wildly controversial, but controversial. I like Lights Out or Dark Ages, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. I like it better than Deceased. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't. I, I did not dig on Deceased, and I know yeah. a ton of people did. Yeah, people I am in the super that. minority on that. People love that. Oh, also, while well, I was talking about DC, gotta give a shout out. Uh, Batgirls, also fucking amazing. That book is great. I heard the first issue was really great, and that makes me really happy. Um, 
I skipped it mostly for budgetary reasons, most uh, also because eventually I'll be able to read it on DC Infinite. Yeah. But I'm so glad to hear that it that uh, that came out so strong. No, that it makes me really happy. it was great. I Conrad and Clunan keep killing everything they touch right now. I'm love, loving all they're doing. Uh, uh, Spawn World still for the most part good. Gunslinger Spawn I would argue might be the best Spawn has been in forever. King Spawn is really solid. Spawn's okay. Uh, well, I'm spawn. Well, let me say, spawn is pretty good, but you can tell it's just kind of doing some filler stuff right now. Uh, Scorched is interesting. Uh, I would say Scorched issue one was by far the worst of the four so far. It, uh, but again, second issue I haven't read yet because one of the few books I like really do collect physically, and uh, we Scorched two still has not appeared in any shop here, even though Scorched two oh, comes out okay. in like a few weeks. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I, Gunslinger Spawn and King Spawn are doing some really interesting things, and Spawn is doing some interesting stuff, again, it's just kind of, you know, picking back up, all, except for, and I mentioned, I texted you this, fucking, they, maybe, Hickman and McFarlane actually might be the people that love taking random plot points from decades ago and bringing them to uh, modern era. Yeah, uh, yeah, I saw that you, um, the heap is back, and yeah. that, that actually brought a smile to my face, because I remember the heap when he first came back, because that was during the time I was reading Spawn, yeah. and it was a big fucking deal when the heap came back. Yeah, so I was like, that was just right again, they're doing the heap stuff there, what they're doing with King Spawn, with, and they're doing interesting with uh, Vi- Violator now, when Gunslinger, what they're doing with Billy Kincaid, mostly in King Spawn, they're just doing some... Hell, interesting stuff there. Scorched is the one book where so far I'm like, I don't know how I feel because the team book with Spawn, they've teased tried before a long time ago with uh, with Adventures, uh, Spawn Adventures, something like that, the like more kidsy looking one. It uh, it works to a degree, but I don't know. The covers are fucking great, but we'll see how issue um, two and three are. I want to throw out one more DC book that uh, the first issue absolutely blew me away. It's only a five-issue miniseries, and uh, I'm debating whether or not I want to try to trade weight or if I want to go ahead and get the singles. Uh, I think you and I both picked it up. Uh, Monkey Prince number one from uh, Gene Yang and Bernard oh, yeah, Chang. Yeah, that was a fun that, – so that was interesting because it's the first book in a long time that I've read that I can remember that felt, everyone just felt completely different from most of what they're doing, but also – uh, it felt so much like the first episode of a TV show. I was shocked. Well, not just that. Um, okay, and you know I've made this argument so, 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 so many times. Every decade or so, some company, usually Marvel, but off, you know, somebody tries and more often than not fails to recapture the uh, 60s Spider-Man magic. Yeah. Um, The most recent successful books to do that uh, in the 90s was Static. Mm. In the early 80s, in fact, I think it was 2010, the most most recent one was Ms. Marvel. Yeah. And I got to say, I think DC nailed it for this decade with Monkey Prince. This first issue feels so much like the, the Peter Parker formula written for a modern age. Yeah, I'm, I, I hope they can keep it going in an interesting way. The, the only, this sounds such a stupid, nitpicky thing. The only thing in this book that I don't like 
and I do mean it's I really like this book a lot. I, I'm not crazy about the janitor character. I can't remember his name, but the the burping yeah, element being a key plot point was a one point where I was like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this. Right. Well, he's he's the guy character. Yeah. For, for a story like this, especially when you're bringing in, you're connecting actual mythology, you've got to have a guide character. What I love is the actually, I mean, somewhat novel. I mean, they did it in Runaways, but it's still a pretty novel idea of his parents being really smart, low-rent supervillain sidekicks. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they've, they've hinged for the Riddler. They're currently working on a project for the Penguin. They're, um, they, they've uh, worked for other Gotham City villains before. So that explains why uh, the main character hates Batman, because Batman has beating the shit out yeah. of his father in front of him. So it makes yeah, it makes and a, sense. and a really wonderful cliffhanger. Um, yeah, which I won't spoil here, but uh, very smartly done and very, very interesting. So I was deeply impressed by the first issue. I'm again both glad and disappointed that it's five issues because it's five issues. I can, uh, you know, I can trade weight and or pick up the issues and not feel super committed, but also. Yeah. This is definitely a book where I would feel comfortable handing it to a child wanting to yeah. find out more about comics. Yeah, no, it definitely hits that part of the market very well, which we haven't had a lot lately. Oh, mm-hmm. you want know a DC book that I was super disappointed in since I've been so positive about DC? And I'll say yeah, something it, nice about them later. Fucking uh, the Peacemaker one shot Garth Ennis did. It's kind of crap, isn't it? It's fucking awful. It I is. didn't finish it. So <laughs> I did not realize it was a one shot. I thought it was a new series, and so I gave it a little bit of slack at first because I got to setting a lot up. Until I realized it was one time, like this issue feels like literally all set up for something that doesn't exist. Right. Like I am shocked by it because it, it, the literally the beginning and end, there's a kernel of a really good idea there. Mm-hmm. But it is like done in a weird filler issue, except for it's a one shot, so it's like a one shot filler issue. And also, I mean, for something that's trying to promote the the big Peacemaker television show, it it uh, maintains a piece of continuity that the show has altered, and kind of feels like since nobody gave a rat's ass about Peacemaker until. 2021 anyway would have been a better idea to just go ahead and retcon into the comics in the first place because who's gonna bitch and who's gonna care yeah you know why why keep why keep peacemaker's parents dead in the comic when his father is so clearly still alive in the media everybody's going to know peacemaker from yeah now well and also uh yeah yeah i i gotta be careful We'll talk, we, you know, we'll talk for a minute here so I don't spoil Sebastian. Uh, I finished Peacemaker. I fucking love and adore every second of it. Derek hasn't finished it yet, so we're going to remain spoiler-free for right now on it. Uh, yes. Uh, it's great. It's incredible. John Cena does amazing. They do some incredible stuff. I love how they pull from the DC universe without going overboard by any means. Like I, There's literally like one big thing that's a big pull in the DC universe in the entire show. Like there's one thing well, that I was like, oh wow, they they they're doing that. Oh, that's crazy. They. I feel like, um, it's not that I don't like the the vigilante character on the show. Yes, but it does feel like that's kind of a waste of vigilante if you wanted to use vigilante for something else. 
because legitimately Vigilante showed up on Arrow and was very much much more in line with the uh, the Marv Wolfman take on the character. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Vigilante's great. He yeah. may be my favorite character. It's a brilliant parody, or you know, it, yeah. but it's it's not Vigilante. So it's I'm, I'm a little little torn. With that. Otherwise, okay. otherwise, I'm really digging it. I'll be honest. The fact that DC has a like Z-list character now in two shows, I say, if you're a fan of Vigilante, you got you know more than anyone thought anybody would. That's fair. That's I'm still shocked about anything that Umbrella Academy or Doom Patrol. So I'm like, hey, they exist. The fact that they exist in the show, I'm okay with. Yeah, um, man. Have you finished Doom Patrol season three? I haven't yet. I haven't. Got, I, I haven't either. Yeah, I need to. I'm so lame. I, uh, I, yeah. Peacemaker's fucking good. Uh, yeah. Peacemaker is great, and the I will say, without spoiling, the way that they develop and evolve the characters is really cool, and they go they go places that was in a world of how things are currently handled in a world in the world where we currently have I, I feel like every superhero movie and property for the most part when it comes to Marvel and DC are very they kind of beat around the bush or kind of like they'll talk about stuff but they won't directly talk about it's like it'll be like when they handle racism it's typically like you know a veiled thing of racism or it's like not super forward and super to the point Somehow Peacemaker dealing with it that way was great. Mm-hmm. And I don't, again, I don't know how far you are in it, so I won't say more. But well, like, I mean, that, that goes as, as early as, you know, the opening scene where the janitor calls him the racist superhero. Yeah. And there's actually a really funny conversation vis-a-vis that. Yeah, so. they go they go far into it for a second. They go into, okay. I will say, straight up before Watchmen territory. Oh, oh, not before okay. Watchmen. Sorry, well, the HBO Watchmen. Uh, the Watchmen. Yeah, that's that's how I heard that yeah. when you said that. So, um, can we talk about Image for a minute? Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. So uh, we'll talk about the the good news first, the other good news, and then the bad news that comes out of the good news. So Saga's back, and Saga's great. Yeah, it's true. I am so 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 glad I did not on a whim sell my 54 issues of saga that i already had i thought about it i gave it some serious serious debated thought i even went so far as to buy the saga uh compendium the 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 complete uh trade collection so i have all 54 issues in a trade i didn't technically need the single issues that were still going for quite a bit of money i know you actually managed to sell some of yours for a a tidy profit yeah i sold sold well yeah i sold my first 12 they were i sold them to a dude for a very fair price but it's also something like for knowing I bought them off the stands, it was a, a very good profit in that regard. Right. No, you were more fair than I think I would have been in your position. You 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 did that guy a solid. Right. Um, but yeah, fifty five came out, and it's literally like the magic never left. Yeah. No, it is. It is great. It is all around fantastic. It is. Uh, it's one of those things where I I'm really curious what it's going to be like sales wise if they can recapture any of that magic too i would hope so we'll uh graham mcmillan of the uh, the podcast that i love um wait what uh he started his own newsletter and he actually devoted an entire newsletter uh to the the 
comeback of Saga when it first hit. And based on his reporting and what he was able to find out from the comic stores that would uh, answer his questions on Twitter, etc., I mean, we don't have any raw data, but just based on word of mouth, it there were people coming back to the shop that comic book stores, including my own, Star Comics, actually answered this question as well. They hadn't seen in the three and a half, four years the Saga has been off the shelves. So literally people who have not bought a comic since Saga stopped coming out came in to buy Saga. I mean, I make, again, Saga's one of those things where it's a book that attracts people that normally read comics and that they're both good and bad and that is things like that where they kind of just want saga i know that's kind of like what walking dead has had that problem Broly academy has had that problem and it's a again it's the ultimate double-edged sword of you bring it to the how, how do we make these readers try something else and yeah. the answer more often than not is Sorry, dude, you're not. Yeah. You know, just because this particular sci-fi fantasy book uh, managed to capture imagine, or, you know, like you said, or just because this alt-superhero book, just because this zombie book, and, you know, unfortunately, Walking Dead numbers didn't uh, catch for something like Revival, which yeah. I, I would argue is the superior horror comic, but Thanks. that wasn't what the audience wanted. Yeah, it is very odd when you look back at some of those books where – because you're right, like when Walking Dead was at its peak, there were a lot of other books that were in similar but different vein. Like, and it is odd how they never did quite translate. And, but whatever the case is, it does feel great to actually have Saga on a shelf again, and also just seeing seeing that art again. That more than anything, no, you know, no offense to Brian Kevon, incredible, incredible writer. However, just seeing the Fiona art back up there, that Fiona Staples art is yeah, that's uh, that has always been the ultimate draw of this book. And it, I mean, don't get me wrong. Paper girls is great. My wife adores paper girls. Uh, she likes paper girls more than saga. She's a huge, huge Cliff Chang fan. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, yeah, we stand say, on that's a crazy statement. There has to be a reason there. Cause that's a, she's Cliff Chang is probably Cliff Chang and Scotty Young are her favorite artists. So oh, there's that. Okay. that um, Private Eye with uh, Marcos Martin. Dude has had some work with some really tremendous artists, but man, I don't think any of them has had just that broad generational, broad gender crossover appeal of Fiona Staples. Yeah, and at this point, and I think what I love the most about Saga, Saga is a good, in the current era, it's a great reminder of how much you can do in a single issue constantly, and it's something that I appreciate. I not not just because I love them, but Saga and honestly Spawn is another one that does this too. I'm a huge fan these days where we got we got so used to the bi weeklies to the bi monthlies to however they were shipping things and however you want to say it, but when you get you know, so many books a week, sadly you do end up so many times getting even if it's not filler, just a lot of issues that don't end up meaning that much. Yeah. To the story, the no, character, how do you feel? Considering the price of comics the price of paper and you know what it costs to pr- produce a comic versus honestly the level of enjoyment most comics give you the the cost benefit ratio of a single issue of a comic has it's it's pretty perilous it's a, it's a fucking tightrope walk more it, often yeah. than not so yeah when you when you do have a book which consistently issue in issue out manages to provide a you know, a solid, enjoyable reading experience. And also just, I mean, 
you, we, if we've talked about it to death on this show, there is no better master of the uh, end of issue cliffhanger than Brian K. Oh Vaughan. yeah, no, he's unparalleled, unparalleled <laughs> in that regard. Like I would legitimately, I would put him above Morrison and Snyder in that specific realm. And those are the only two people I know who I would also say do it frequently and well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in comics do it frequently and bad. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. I would. Uh, my my beloved Brian Michael Bendis cannot yeah. end a comic issue to save his life. It's true. Like in fairness, I would argue the only yeah I would say if I had to pick a top three, it would probably legitimately be in the order of Brian K. Vaughn, Grant Morrison, Scott Snyder. If anything, just because Scott Snyder, even when you hated his Batman, would typically end on a cliffhanger good enough where you would come back to buy the issue you would like to then buy another issue you wouldn't like for you personally. I love them all. I love them all. Can I, uh, actually, Jeff Lester, the other host of my favorite podcast, Wait What, um, said something on his, a couple episodes ago, because he's also kind of in the same boat as as me with Snyder, but he said something that really resonated with me, because he's talking about Noctera, and uh, he's not a huge fan of Noctera, but he's still reading it, and um, he said, and this is not a direct quote, but obviously, but um, he said, "I'll, I'll always have time for that guy, because... He always seems like he's talking about living with depression and how he is dealing with it and why it seems like so much of his stuff is like the apocalypse has already happened. The, you know, the apocalypse is something that we're living with, but we're finding the hope in that and we're trying to find a way out yeah. is uh, an endlessly compelling narrative. It is, and he is someone that, Nocturne is one of those books where I, I'm happy it's doing well. And I know there have been like movies and movie rights options and also other crazy stuff, which rightfully so because again that we talked about it. The in one issue, Nocturne made a world in the same way. Honestly, we we it's not hyperbole. We said it on the episode. The only other book that did this through the time was Saga in the sense of by the end of the first issue, it's a world you understand, a world you know, an entire universe that you're wanting to explore. Uh, except for Brian K. Vaughn's not selling the rights to Saga to anybody, and uh, Snyder will sell Nocturne off. So it totally makes sense to, to do that, to be honest. Uh, uh, knowing how Why Last Man did, I doubt we see uh, Brian K. Vaughn change his mind on that either. Yeah, man. I've, yeah, dude. I don't. I didn't watch any Why. Um, on the one hand, I do kind of feel guilty that I didn't watch any Why. On the other hand, I'm glad I didn't try to yeah. get invested in that, especially when I still have you know all the comics that I love so much. Uh, oh, briefly, we just give a little shot knock tear. Also, want to give a shout. Echo Lands remains amazing. J.H. Williams third, like weird homage love letter to everything he's impassioned by. I, I still need to read the trades for that. I will. Absolutely. I will say, Art Alone is one of those books now where. It is the only book on the sands next to Spawn because of my collector mind that I would say I will not buy digitally. I would buy physically because the art and art and just how the presentation is where it's got the kind of private eye. You have the book flipped on its side the entire time and the amount of work in that book is just incredible. Uh, Oh, another book that actually the first issue was last week that I fucking loved was uh, Until My Knuckles Bleed. I've heard good things. Amazing. It's, it's good. It's essentially okay. the Incredibles, but instead of the heroes of the Golden Age, it's basically like if the if like you know the characters of like Sin City 
and uh, the 90s and Extreme Era, what would happen to them in a world where they could no longer be those characters and had to try to fit into normal society. Interesting. So it's like the main character, it's essentially think of it as the main character, uh, if Marv from Sin City uh, was forced not to do Marv stuff anymore and had to just be a bouncer at a strip club. Huh, interesting. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good hook. Yeah, that's a really was, good hook. It's really and the art is incredible. The art is like a Frank Miller, uh, Darwin Cook love child. That's incredible. Oh wow! Like it is. It hits those moments. It mimics it so well. Going back and forth when you see the when they have a flashback to old times or anything. It's it's great. Uh, and next we we'll have a ton of stuff come out too. But you know, going back to image, you were talking about some good news and some bad news. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is a piece of good news that kind of sort of uh, leads to some. Uh, Potential bad news. So the image union is a go. The uh, it's it's not the creators, but it's the the people work behind the scenes at Image by a seven to two vote, and the two abstained because they weren't their two vote. Um, image um, is now unionized, Ooh. and which is great. It's it's a huge uh, boost for comics um, and the people who produce comics. Not like I said, not necessarily the creators, but the people behind the scenes doing the numbers. Um, they. Um, they have a. They have started, or they they have voted to proceed with unionizing. Basically, nice. it's, it's you know it's one of those things where this is just the first step on down a long road. Unfortunately, um, Image Comics is now un, under investigation for possibly implementing intimidation and other union busting tactics. Doesn't shock me to be honest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, uh... um, most especially Jim Valentino uh, apparently held uh, a like. A like a hands up or a, like a some basically some kind of meeting where he asked who supported the union and then took their names off the credits of one of his books <laughs> before they came out and then there's like there's apparently some talk I think and this this is rumor this 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 part is rumor I don't know this for sure but apparently there's some talk about some phone calls that mm. that probably got made so yeah. Um, Image, of course, is not allowed to talk about any of it, Yeah, and it's very much in the hands of the people who are doing the investigating right now. But uh, yeah, there's uh, potentially some, uh, some serious issues involving Image and uh, some, uh, some anti-union activity. Well, that's uh, sad but not shocking. I, uh, so this is actually another weird thing for people who uh, don't know us personally. Again, we mentioned we're both from Texas. If you have never been to Texas or lived in Texas, one thing you may not know: uh, labor in, or labor union in Texas, like the ultimate dirty word. Yeah, it basically doesn't exist. It, yeah. We are what is called a right to work state, which uh, is a complete misnomer, much like the Clean Air Act or you know things like that. Because by right to work, they mean they have the right to tell you you can't work anymore, and that's basically all they've got. To, the company always has to do. Yeah, literally, you can be fired for any reason, any cause, and you basically have no recompense. Yeah, uh, someone who's worked uh, many retail jobs at many of the major retail outlets, I can tell you they literally, except with the exception of one, every single one of them has had in orientation, no joke, like a 30-minute to an hour-long video about the evils of unions. Yep. That is, so, uh, so if we are taking the threats of them crushing unions and uh, intimidating people lightly, 
that's the reason why, because yeah. it is the fact of them even existing is a different world to us. Yeah, um, I am extraordinarily lucky. I work for the government now um, in a um, in a very 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 low capacity position but it does mean i get super awesome health care and it is very difficult for me to lose my job not impossible but outside of basically outright provable theft um i i would have uh, i have at least three strikes before termination but yeah every job i've ever had before that has been in retail and it is very much a situation of um in fact when I worked for J.C. Penney, my boss was at best two years short of retirement, at worst six months. I can't remember exactly. I was I'd already left the company when they shit canned his ass, and he sued because it was very clear that they sued him so he wouldn't take out retirement, or that they, they fired yeah. him so he wouldn't take out retirement, and lost that lawsuit because we're in fucking Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, as someone who has chosen uh, retail and professional wrestling as my career, yeah, I, uh, any every day I'm I make a dollar is lucky to be on. <laughs> um, so I have one more topic that I wanted to bring up because I know it's something that you and I are finally dabbling in. Um, so very recently. You and I both started digging into the creator substacks that are coming out of yes. Substack. Um, I, before we get to the big one, I want to say that uh, Tom King released his first full issue of Everlasting Love on his Substack. Holy uh, shit, that's fast. I don't know if any of my people have released anything beyond pre. Well, uh, Snyder has, but he's got the comicsology stuff, so I, that's mm-hmm. different. But yeah. No, he, uh, like within a couple of weeks, I think. And I haven't read any of his other Substack stuff. I need to go back and read them. But I, I logged into Tom King's and he it's Tom King and his uh, co-creator. And I feel bad not saying her name. So give me a second. I'll see if I can't find that. Uh, Xanadoom again. Uh, it's called Everlasting Love is the name of the book. And... Shit! Fuck! I cannot remember her name. I will say, uh, because again, I've got I I, so I am in a weird place where I'm on the free version of quite a few people's of Snyder's of uh, Tinyans of Donny Cates of obviously Grant Morrison. Uh, yeah, that's the big one. Yeah, uh, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot. I will say, I really like Substack in a sense of like the connectivity of the people sending you the newsletter. However, at the end of the day, it is just a fucking newsletter to a lot of people for, for most of the time. Yeah, which is, but yeah, he he put out a full fucking first issue for free. See, that's good. That's that's cool. Uh, Elsa Charteri, C H A R R E T I E R Charteri. Sure, 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 sure. Very cool seeing how different people use it because I feel like people like Snyder almost use it as a Patreon, where it's like they mm-hmm. they've been putting out a lot. And so Donny Cates in the same boat of like they do a lot more YouTube videos, a lot more behind the scenes stuff. We'll put out a lot more stuff, give you great deals if you're part of it, give you stuff. King's just going full into hey, this is where I'm just putting all my books out. 
Uh, well, he did that, and uh, I will say, um, not only is it available through free through Subtech, it's a fucking CBZ download file. It's in my chunky reader along with all my humble bundle shit. Oh, okay. okay. So it's just a, it's a it's a real goddamn fucking digital comic, yeah. and I'm endlessly impressed. Also, his his next one after that, which I still haven't read, but I did just check out or I did just look at, it's uh, his pitch for a Loki series that ultimately did not get picked up. Oh, that's so. Cool. Yeah, fucking dude is like – and again, this is the free tier, yeah. just putting stuff out. So um, the, the book is good. It's um, very Tom King, but I'm, I'm so happy that uh, you know he's, he's reaching out and trying different things. Now, the, the other one I wanted to talk about because I'm only subscribed to the two, and I, I went ahead because I didn't see a free option when I initially looked at it. Um, I went ahead and dropped the 10 bucks for uh, Xanadoom, Grant Morrison's – Substack. Yeah. And I'll tell you the first couple of uh the first couple of newsletters I was like, did I blow ten dollars? Uh and then here these last couple which have been annotations for uh Superman and the Authority. Uh he's also promised he's going to uh dish about super gods and some of the other projects he's wanted he's worked on and, and basically has no problem uh torching bridges now that he no longer very yeah, clearly no longer wants are, to work on superhero uh, comics. They're clearly, they, they, I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, it happened. They're good. Uh they are going into such deep detail because again you mentioned it. Literally in like the first or second one, they go, they start talking about like, yeah, I didn't want to do, uh, you know, Superman Authority stuff, and I'm gonna tell you why. And like, I that's the kind of stuff like we're, I think we're just kind of seeing Super Gods two basically being written in front of our eyes almost. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, um, the the original Super Gods text bears almost no. Uh, similarities to the super gods that actually got published apparently the apparently the original super gods was a lot cattier and a lot um again a lot more gossipy and a lot more dishy so i don't know if this is super gods too as much as what he intended super gods to be also you and i again we kind of i shot you an email about this i'm fairly certain that he implicates scott snyder without actually implicating Scott without actually saying the name Scott Snyder um, in one of the reasons that the DC 5G thing actually failed because apparently the the idea was Snyder had a lot of plans and 5G was going to completely destroy his uh, projected comics. So he, uh, Scott Snyder, uh, reached out to a number of people, including Grant Morrison, to basically put the kibosh on Dio's plans. Morrison, for their part, is kind of hilariously like, I'm out. I don't give a shit. This seems hilarious and potentially awesome, yeah. but whatever you I, do, well, you Scott. I do like, though, Morrison did in there was like, seems like it could be really work if they can make it work. No clue if there's any way to make it work. But, right. And that's why I was like, if you have Morrison saying that there's no way to make it work, I'm now with everyone else. I still would have loved to see what it was going to be. It also does a peek behind the curtain of why the fuck was DC teasing something that, to all accounts, literally had almost no actual work done to it at that point outside of the mission statement? Right. Like, I know, in fairness to them, they did, like, one round of teasing, and that was it. Well, it kind of reminds me of when uh, Hypertime was introduced. Because uh, do you remember anything about the way Hypertime was uh, set up? Not at all. 
Okay, I'm going to go deep, deep old school nerd on you. Um, Dan, our uh, our fellow um, podcaster and uh, buddy, refers to me as Kenobi when I do things like this, which mm-hmm. I deeply appreciate. But uh, back with the Kingdom Come sequel that Al- uh, excuse me, Mark Wade wrote, uh, Alex Ross was not involved with, but uh, the end of that introduced was going to introduce the concept of hypertime. Wait, this is a Frank Quietly ha- one? Yes, yeah, Frank Yeah, Quietly okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and basically the idea that hypertime was going to be the way to incorporate all the realities in all the different universes was it was going to be used through hypertime, and the idea was it was introduced at the end of the kingdom, um, and then they were going to seed different uh, instances of hypertime uh, throughout different DC books, leading to the next big crossover, which was going to be hypertime centric. They did the one that was scheduled for Superboy, which was the next. Hypertime, and then Hypertime was quietly dropped for a number of years, and now it kind of gets brought up occasionally as like a, a concept thing. I think I honestly do think Grant Morrison has used it uh, to a limited extent in some of their work, but um, yeah, it was just like they had this whole plan for a concept that would unify all of the different disparate universes and. Honestly, uh, continuity errors. It, it, it could go to something as easily as a continuity error. Like the way I had it explained to me was the way hypertime works is so Barry Allen has, I'm pretty sure Barry Allen has blue eyes. So if Barry Allen had his eyes colored brown in some panel of JLA from the 1970s, yeah. um, that was hypertime. You know, a, a hypertime Barry Allen, you know accidentally popped into this reality for a second switched places with our Barry. Okay. And, it was, and, it was, and it was such a small instance of hypertime uh, interference that it was almost unnoticeable. Oh. Or, you know, but but it could be something much greater yeah. and much more universe-threatening, which would uh, have been, of course, the, the source of the crossover. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, hypertime did not go over well. So after its, uh, its initial... Appearance and a subsequent appearance in that uh, Superboy uh, issue that had already been set up and done, uh, it just quietly went away. And I guess that's kind of what was going on with 5G. They had the concept that they were they were starting to seed 5G, and then just ex- kind of just dropped it and moved on to other things. And unfortunately, you know, the internet being a thing now means that you can't just quietly yeah. let something slide. It's always going to be that uh, one of, one of the great what ifs of uh, comics. Yeah, which again, knowing now that we've a uh, old friend uh, Lance, who we used to be a part of his network on the show, still go check his <laughs> stuff out. But he's you know had talked to Dan Dio before and mentioned five G, and now we're hearing from Morrison and also so everything we can piece together. It does feel like it was basically this idea that they wanted to pursue that they ended up not pursuing, and it's crazy how much of a snowball that has rolled into an avalanche in this situation. Because the more we get into it, it's like, oh yeah, it really was what they were saying. Of Oh yeah, it was close to this, they changed their minds, replaced it, and it, the deal like, oh, I may as well go. Yeah. And that seems like that was it. And now it's, and outside, like you said, we, the more impression we get, it's still very interesting, because I still like the idea of it. I do think you would have you would have needed. See, the problem I feel like DC does have the teams to do it, but you would have re, you would have had to have everyone unified to pull something like that off. Yeah, it's it's not another New Fifty Two, which you know, New Fifty Two, we we have all come to know 
uh, as as much as you and I kind of champion it, and as as good as the sales were initially, the the actual behind the scenes of New Fifty Two was an incredibly slapdash, very um, by the seat of the pants affair that yeah. ended up being overall a very smart thing to do, and and possibly could be argued helped save comics yeah. at the time. 5G could not have been that, but that seems to be how Dio was initially approaching it. Yeah, which, again, just shows everyone out there the importance of marketing to your audience in the correct way. Mm-hmm. If not, it, stuff like that happens. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I would pay a decent amount of money for a Dan Dio autobiography. I would, Dan, too. Dan Dio, Paul Levitz, and... Somebody on Twitter, I think it might be Chris Aaron, the guy that runs um, that ran Newsarama until very recently, uh, Jim Lee, but but uh, Chris Chris Aaron, and I don't think he has any like super inside knowledge or anything, but he's basically like Jim Lee's gonna release an autobiography when it's the right time because Jim Lee's autobiography is gonna make so much goddamn money. Make a lot of money. The other thing, probably make a lot of enemies. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that's like if, he the, does, uh, if he does it right, yeah. No, oh, who was was it? The was it Bob Iger that just did that with his auto after he, uh, like last year or whatever. I don't know. Actually. Was, who are the big Disney guys? It was I, Iger or Chapek, whoever was is leaving the company or left <laughs> already now. Uh, whoever it was, like his biography was, did, didn't hide shit from anything. Oh wow! And it just went into it, but uh, yeah. So here's the thing. The only other thing I I really had to bring the conversation is I did go to the theater recently. Oh shit! And uh, to of course because it's the the one way they've got me there to see Jackass Forever. Oh man, how was it? Oh amazing, it was amazing, my friend. As uh, a kid who grew up obsessed with Jackass and Viva La Bam, uh, it was it was great. Again, given it is still sad, the Viva La Bam and Bam Margera fan of me to not see almost any of that side of the crew involved in the movie. That part is sad. You have a couple members here and there. Uh, the funniest to me is uh, Chris Rab, Rab himself, back in the day, is involved in the movie, but he's legitimately just a cameraman, not in any of these stunts, and has literally one scene that he's in in the movie at the very end. Oh, wow. Because he's kind of retired from all that, and he really loves filming stuff, though he's just become a filmmaker. But yeah, he's on the crew, but that's as close as he gets. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's actually kind of a great, weird movie that, sh- like every Jackass movie, should not work, but somehow does. Right. Now, I've, I've heard, again, really, really tremendous things. Um, I've never... Uh, to my shame, sat down and watched an entire episode of Jackass or an entire Jackass film. But I do love, like, you know, just randomly seeing clips and shit online. And also, I just, as 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 much as someone who's never really engaged with the material, I have such a deep love and respect for Johnny Knoxville as a oh, performer yeah. and as a person. Yeah, I, the fucking maybe in my current career path, uh, people like him probably had a bigger influence than I'd love to admit. But, uh, and Johnny Knoxville was in the Royal Rumble this year, so, got a lot of stuff. Oh, that's amazing. And might be at Mania, so, there's, you know, some other weird connections with that all. Uh, however, yeah, he's, him and his career, incredible, incredible what he's been able to pull off, what they've all been able to pull off with it all, but the fact that they have the movie, 
literally again everything against it you have covid so they've talked about this is by far the most painful one to film not just because of age but because that takes away half of their like public stunt stuff it's gone because they there's a few of that in there but they literally they got the shoot for two weeks and then covid hit and then during covid you had uh bam relapse and you know get kicked out of the movie essentially and all of that happened and that craziness you have everything else and when it comes back you're in the weird filming of masks and not knowing what to do and not to do so it's a lot of more pain-based stunts or uh, gimmicky stunts in that regard but in the best way possible and again they pull it off and that's i stand by jackass and i with my whole heart mean this jackass might legitimately be one of the best american movie franchises with the most heart an American art form. Oh yeah, it uh, like a hundred percent, and it is because it is something we talk about. It. There's nothing. Jack Castle is one of the few things that it's like no other country has anything quite like it. Yeah, and it is a love it, hate it, be what it is. And I love that every time it comes out, somehow the fucking thing makes money. Yeah, that was shocking to me because even as somebody who loved it, I expect after all these years, like. It'll do okay, maybe. It might make some money. It's like, oh, no more at the box office. Okay. They're doing okay. It's, and because they're so cheap to make, it's like, it really... I'm, we're so used to this giant world of, if this doesn't make $800 million, it won't make a penny in profit. Yep. The fact that it's like, no, they you know they made like $28 million opening weekend, and that alone covered marketing, production, payment, payroll, marketing for the next one, and everything in between. Yep. Like, okay, and there's your profit. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, if you, you know, have, give somebody $8 million to make a movie that costs $5 million, uh, <laughs> you uh, will probably get a lot of money back. And, and even if you don't, you're not going to lose as much as you did on the other one. Yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, also, by contrast, oh, I'll yeah. Go on. No, go ahead. I was gonna say by contrast, I watched the uh, Texas uh, not the I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. Uh, it's not good, <laughs> and I I kind of loved it anyway. That's what I'm it's, hearing. It, it's fun. It's bad. It's bad, but it's fun as hell. The gore effects are spectacular. I thought the gore effects were fucking tremendous. And again, it's a tight 74-minute movie before credits, so it's not like it overstays its welcome. And It's just, it, it's in and out. Legitimately, one of the coolest images, because I've seen the posters and stuff, and it's one of those random ones that shouldn't work, but the, the new Leatherface in the sunflower field is great. Mm -hmm. And I really, I didn't like the mask until I learned where the mask is actually from uh, within the context of the film. I was like, oh, okay, that's actually, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a little bit of a story. Thematically, it is a nightmare. I, it, it is somehow both pro and anti-gun. Um, I mean. There is an, there, it is very much a, we have Laurie Strode at home. Um, yeah. Point with, with Sally Hardesty. Uh, no, my God. That, so, yeah. That, that, that one all around. It's there dumb is as hell, and it doesn't work, and it's hilarious and amazing. Um, the, the actual Chainsaw Massacre is great. There's a, okay, I, um, this, uh, I'm going to warn you, this is a spoiler for probably my favorite moment in the film. Oh, go ahead. I, I won't lie. Most of it spoiled for me already. Okay, so during the Chainsaw Massacre, there's this really great shot where a dude has, Leatherface has a dude impaled on his chainsaw, 
basically where his junk would be mm -hmm. and then uses it to impale a girl against the bus. So these two people are vibrating and gyrating up against each other as they're dying because there's a chainsaw inside of them. But the way the chainsaw has been positioned is very phallic and it's fucking hilarious. Hey, you know, at this point in the franchise, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'm down for anything. Like, I, I will say this, this could be a controversial opinion. I think people might take Texas Chainsaw Massacre a bit too seriously sometimes. The uh, first, okay, be, literally the first one is yeah. an undeniable classic oh, of yeah. terror. Oh, Literally great. everyone since, including the second one, which is also directed by Toby Hooper, is ridiculous. Oh yeah, it is either... You know what I will say, with the possible exception of the fucking, oh, what is it, like, I think it's the, it's had so many remakes and reboots, uh, the, I think it's the first remake, the, the one, the, the one with, um, uh, Jessica Biel, maybe the one with the sheriff everyone liked, uh, Arlie Emery, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, Jessica Biel, yeah, that one, that one, I think it's pretty solid and actually does not, of course, not as creepy or anything like that, but it still solidly goes for that kind of effect, and I think mostly hits it. It has moments. I prefer this one to that one. Oh, that's but I, fair. But I, but, I own, but I own the 2003 remake on Blu-ray, so it is one that I, I own and appreciate, uh, but again, for, for pure, I had a blast watching it. Um, watch it tonight? It's it's fun. It's terrible. It is it's it is it is the Jack of the Box tacos of of Texas Chainsaw Cinema. Hey, it's terrible. I love it. If you have like a filet mignon being the first one, and like uh, the you know like a fucking the best the best pizza you can imagine being the second one, uh, and then like I don't know gas station tacos being the next couple. Yep. Then if this is Jack in the Box, I'll take it. Uh, this, that is that is. I'm going to go to Letterboxd right now and update my review because I am so proud of that comparison. Hell yeah! Um, yeah, it's it's awful. I love it. So I'm I'm so glad I've I've influenced a few people to see it. And I'm just I'm I'm hoping you're taking away from this. I know you are. I hope they took away from that from this my my intended meeting of, of what that is. Well, unfortunately, on a good note. But I, uh, the time says it. I must start wrapping it this up a little bit, and I hate doing that. But yeah, we mentioned before it, it feels so weird going from a, a life where we all had so much fucking time to like just fitting stuff in. But I will always love recording this show, and I love not only talking to you, but hearing from everyone out there listening. Uh, we got some. I, I didn't even send you. We got some really good responses to the last respawn. I need to send you a few of the screenshots and stuff. There were people oh, that yeah, were please. very happy that we were back and like left comments and that were very nice. I appreciate those. If you're listening to this, thank you. We will be back with respawn soon. We've got uh, more. Probably our next episode, if yeah. you're okay with that. Yeah, next episode. That works for me. Uh, Great. Uh, everyone out there, thank you guys so, so, so much for listening to this. It means the world to us. And this has been a much more normal episode. And uh, it's nice to kind of return home in that sense. Very much so. God, I miss doing this. I do too. But a new time will come very soon to do it again. Thank you all for listening. I'll have a wonderful night and take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Good night, everybody.